You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So obviously there's no real mystery with that intro. You either know it or you don't. Um, man, I'll tell you what, why is it ending so abruptly like that? That doesn't sound right. Is it just me? Am I going crazy? Something's, something's wrong with that. Anyways, I used to love that show, man. I think my favorite memory, aside from obviously just staying up with my brother and just watching, um, we had VHSs of episodes and whatnot, but I remember staying up, or staying with Grandma, and my uncle used to watch it all the time, and I was trying to convince Grandma that I should be allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. So one day, because Grandma's awesome like that, she decided she would, after she sent me to bed, she would stay up and watch Beavis and Butthead to determine whether or not it was appropriate for me. Now, obviously, the answer was no. I'm not allowed to watch it. But just the fact that Grandma stayed up <laughs> and watched an episode of Beavis and Butthead. Oh, my goodness. Memories. I tell you what. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got um, our second day of training camp in the books. And today is padded practice. Now, it's very good and very bad news at the same time. Very good because finally it gets more exciting, right? Before padded practice, what you get is a lot of wide receiver news, right? All the wide receivers are elite because there's no real hitting going on. You're not hearing anything about pass rushers, not hearing anything about offensive line. Every single thing has a little asterisk next to it, you know, like, wow, that was a great catch, but I wonder what would have happened if that DB didn't pull up and just absolutely smoked him as he caught that. Now, hopefully there's no smoking going on. Josh Jones is no longer on this team, so blindside smacking people in the side of the head as they're trying to catch passes probably isn't going to happen anymore, hopefully. But the bad news about it is we're already seeing lots and lots and lots of injuries around the the NFL, and if you saw the injury, um, I forget his name, but the Dallas Cowboys video that's floating around, those are the kinds of things that really scare me. Not just because guys are getting injured, but guys are getting injured just in ridiculous ways. If I could paint a picture for you, you had a defensive lineman, I don't know, let's just call it two defensive linemen going up against each other, and they were just doing basic drills, and a guy got up and put his hand in his chest and just kind of pushed him a little bit, and he just doubled over backwards, messed up his leg real bad. I think he's out for the season. You know, it's just, it's that lack of football preparedness and the fact that they have to rush this right there's it just means it and and you know we've known this it's going to mean more injuries but it just it's just kind of hold your breath time a little bit you know the the odds of us getting through i believe uh we've got practice today tomorrow and thursday without you know at least a hamstring tweak or something i don't know i'm just not looking forward to it and this is probably a uh an entire episode, but I don't know if I want to make an episode quite so dark. But wh- where are we most vulnerable? For example, or, or let, let, let me put it in these terms. Where is the position where if one person gets hurt, let's just call it. Aaron Rodgers, but that's obvious. We've always known that. Devante, because of our you know lack of initiative in, in finding talent at wide receiver. 
Um, Bakhtiari would hurt a lot. We maybe have some options at running back, but Aaron Jones would still be pretty painful. We've we've done some great things along the defensive line, but obviously without Zadarius, that, that paints a completely different picture of this defense. Um, I think losing Jair and just having, you know, Kevin and Chandon and I guess Josh Jackson or Kadar. You know, I mean, the, the point is we go into the season with these assumptions and it really just takes one injury to a key player. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing and I don't, I don't want to diminish an injury to anybody, but it's one thing if Lane Taylor tweaks his ankle. It's another thing in, if Christian Kirksey does. As much as I even don't have super high expectations, what happens if Kirksey goes down? Oren Burks is the guy? Oren Burks has been one of the worst linebackers in football. And please don't give me that if he's healthy nonsense. I'm so tired of that. There are very, very few people that are very, very good football players when they're healthy, but just end up getting hurt a lot. Right? Maybe Dalvin Cook or something. But there's, there's, I don't know, I just, I hate that so much. Because what people like to do is they take really bad football players who also happen to have been hurt all the time and just assume that they're only bad because they're hurt. And it just drives me crazy. That's not reality. I'm very sorry. Oren Burks has been bad. Flat out. Maybe he can be good. I hope he can. But there's no caveat. He has not played football well. So, anyways, again, that's the good and bad. We get some more exciting news. Guys are getting more practice. We start to get more real news. You know, this is when you start to understand things a little bit better. It's still training camp, so anything is possible. There's always guys that get hyped up, especially wide receivers. You know, the the Kumaros, and it's almost funny just going through um, some of these names and just remembering, man, I remember when we were going nuts about that guy in training camp. You know, even guys like Danny Vitale. You know, and that's why you got to take all this stuff with a grain. I'm, and and listen, please get excited. It's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive. I want everybody to get excited about all this news, but I want everybody to also understand that we're just getting excited about training camp. We can't carry that excitement over into the regular season. We have to draw a line there. We can get excited about guys. We can love training camp for what it is. We can love the the possible potential, but we have to draw a distinct line. We can't say this guy's so good, therefore he's going to be a freak in the regular season. I mean, man, I remember, uh, I think Colby Pearson, I think that guy was real big. Michael Clark, obviously, was was a a big fan favorite. I don't know if he ever did very much um, in training camp, I can't remember. But, you know, Joel Buonio, guy that we got from the Bears. Greer Martini, remember that? Linebacker Greer Martini, everybody was super excited about. He was tearing up training camp. Chris Odom, who we got from Atlanta, who led the, what was it, like the preseason in sacks or something? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's always big names. And again, please get as excited as you want, but but understand what it is that you're excited about. But anyways, um, last night I had a uh, fun little chat with some of the guys from the Fan to Fan Network. Kind of blew some people away with my uh, thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation. I think everybody was expecting me to say that Aaron Rodgers is the guy and Jordan Love is a bum and just don't worry about it. It's not what I said, and I think I offended people. It was kind of funny. Wouldn't have expected that, but it's kind of good to see. People were coming at me for Aaron Rodgers' blasphemy. But anyways, it was uh, guys from the Fan to Fan Network. It's a uh, newer network that has a bunch of different... um, It's basically a news network with just guys like me as opposed to whatever it is you see on ESPN. I don't know because I don't watch that nonsense. I still remember it, it. This must have been like 10 years ago by now. But occasionally I would turn on, you know, NFL Network or whatever it was. 
and you had like former football players and coaches dressing up in costumes. And it's like, this is just stupid, man. Like, I feel like the NFL is primarily watched by a bunch of dudes. And I can't imagine, like, me and a bunch of guys getting together and be like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch Jimmy Johnson dressing up like a doctor, doing fake surgery, and then, like, acting like complete morons. That would make me happy. It's more like a Sunday morning talk show. It's like they're trying to be The View or something. Not like they dress up in costumes on The View, but it's just, it's like, what is this? Good morning, America. But, um, it's no surprise you got companies like Barstool that are, that are really blowing up right now. And it's because it's just guys acting like guys that are completely uncensored because it's not run by some corporation that gives them a list of things you're not allowed to say. And so that's kind of what I like about this uh, fan-to-fan network. Not that it's ever going to be a bar stool, but it's a very... We actually got uh, scolded for not being uncensored enough yesterday. <laughs> you guys aren't being mean enough. But it was a lot of fun, and it's going to be uh, regularly scheduled programming. Going to have NFL roundtables as well as, you know, before games, there's going to be matchups and, you know, there'll be a Bears versus Packers kind of thing prior to a Bears and Packers game and all that, so... Uh, right now, it's primarily those videos are on Twitch. So if you go to Twitch, it's FTFN. Not really sure. There's some talk about possibly moving over to YouTube and whatnot. But right now, we're just trying to get our footing. Um, so you can check out fantafannetwork.com. I've got a lot of... Uh, all the articles say Bazarski, but like 75% of the Packers articles are actually me. And you'll you'll see that by, you know, the links are all to my podcast and my YouTube channel. But anyways, I've been working on that. I've got uh, Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel on top of this podcast, so I've been insanely busy lately. So if you wouldn't mind supporting any of those endeavors, that would be great, whether it's subscribing to that FTFN uh, Twitch channel, subscribing to Pack Daddy NFL on YouTube, leaving a rating and review for this podcast, whatever you got, man, I would appreciate it. And if you'd like to take it up a notch with your support, there's always patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can help support the show for as little as a buck a month. They just released the uh, Pro Football Focus College Advanced Stats, which is something I've been begging them for for years, and I got the impression they just weren't going to do it, I think because they sell that information to the NFL, and so they wanted to keep it proprietary because then you can up, you know, jack the rates or whatever. But they released it, and I've got it, and I am just beyond excited about that. But um, that costs money, as does the original PFF thing, as does Game Pass and all that stuff. Um, I have, I have been in the red this past <laughs> month or so, buying webcams and lighting and Adobe Suite software, and I gotta kinda cool it with the spending. I'm, I kinda get that way. I'm the most cheap, frugal person on the planet, but once I kinda get into this mode, that's why I'm dangerous around Christmas and vacations. It's like, yeah, let's just buy that, and I need this, and this, and this, and this, and I just kinda get carried away. So, I gotta cut off the spigot. But anyways, let's leave it at that. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about notes from training camp day two. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, uh, first of all, heading in the right direction with uh, the injury slash COVID stuff. I'd kind of mentioned this to you before. While everybody is panicking that so-and-so is on the COVID reserve list and we need to find a backup and we got to find this, the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to come off the list. And sure enough, that's what's happening. People that were on it are either off like Jay Sternberger or are very close to being off like Hunter Bradley. Somehow my list got messed up, so I can't... Uh, I know Trayvon Hester also came off. Some of these others are not quite correct, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't know how that got messed up. But hour and 45-minute practice, relatively standard. Uh, going through the position by position. So far, the w- one of the really good themes is, and, and the coaches and, and everything, they always give kind of a positive spin, but I don't necessarily think that they're lying. Maybe they're just omitting some of the bad. Because, you know, I don't know that we heard this necessarily last year, but Matt LaFleur was talking about practice. He says he really likes the tempo, specifically about the quarterbacks. He says they're putting the quarterbacks and the offense on the shot clock and getting in and out of the huddle is night and day from where it was a year ago, which is important, right? That's, that's what they're trying to do is, is speed that up, and that certainly was a problem last year. And so they're, Matt LaFleur, that's one of the things I mentioned yesterday, third down was an emphasis. Today, get in, the, get in the huddle, get out of the huddle as quickly as possible, and they're doing a good job of that. He says he was also impressed with their leadership, command, and urgency to the line of scrimmage, still talking about the quarterbacks. Not a ton of notes about Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. This, this training camp isn't really, I shouldn't say it's not about it. It is, because, you know, there's another thing we talked about yesterday, or I tried to get across to a bunch of very upset people, is the incredible amount of potential Aaron Rodgers has to be a very good quarterback. Not just now, but but this Matt LaFleur scheme could absolutely extend his career. If he could settle into this and really, you know, get into the rhythm, it's a, it's a very quarterback-friendly system where he doesn't have to put the whole team on his back and extend plays and do all this crazy stuff. So it, it does matter for that reason. But I also think that he mentally has kind of got this all figured out. He knows what he's doing. This is more about, you know, it, it, it's more interesting in terms of Jordan Love's development, A.J. Dillon's development, you know, even second-year guys and, and those kinds of guys. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need development. <laughs> he needs to tweak some stuff. Um, and that remains to be seen how that's all going to play out, and hopefully it does. But I, I don't think training camp is going to be necessarily make or break. Um, Tim Boyle was, again, the star two days in a row now. Um, it was a little interesting to hear him talk about the Jordan Love thing, and I guess I didn't really picture that impacting Boyle the way that it did. I guess to some extent it makes sense, but at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody always assumes the best, and you're always striving for the best, but Tim Boyle isn't playing football to be a backup for the rest of his life. But, I mean, is there anybody outside of Tim Boyle and his mom that thought that Tim Boyle was ever going to be anything other than a a backup second or third string guy I mean he's not going to be the quarterback of the future I, I guess I'll add Andy Herman to that list of people that think that he has that potential but I, I don't know it makes sense but it doesn't make sense at the same time I guess I just didn't really realize 
he had such lofty goals. But anyways, he, he obviously has taken that to heart and is fighting um, to the death. And it, it, it almost sounds like he doesn't necessarily have to, but, but the, the gap right now between Tim Boyle and Jordan Love, not necessarily in terms of, of arm talent, things like that. It sounds like Jordan Love is doing a fine enough job. But the fact is Tim Boyle understands the offense. He's, he's taken real command of this. He's doing a really solid job being sort of that backup. And they've made it very clear that Jordan Love, although he's got all the tools and everything in the world, he's we're starting from ground zero in terms of fundamentals. And that, that's something that needs to be built up, and especially in, in this COVID year. I mean, the guy has had two practices. He has had two, basically we're talking about, what, three and a half hours of, uh, of learning how to play at quarterback like a Green Bay Packer? I mean, it, it, that's, that's clearly not going to be enough. And so I would assume, even through this season, Jordan Love very possibly is the number three. As much as they would love to ceremonial ceremonially call him the number two, the problem with that is if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, who are you putting in? And maybe they would put in Jordan Love. That's entirely possible. But if let's just say if it was today, Tim Boyle would be going out, not Jordan Love. And if there was a full preseason, all this stuff, maybe they would kind of put him in that spot. I'm just saying there's not a ton of time. I mean, they, they haven't even really fully assessed whether he understands the playbook and understands just basic kind of stuff. So that'll be interesting, and, and there's just there's just a lot to learn. And it's fine. It's it's a long-term process. Certainly not going to make a big deal about him being declared the number three after two practices when Tim Boyle's got this thing down playing as well as he is. Uh, running back again, A.J. Dillon as the focal point. A little bit less about his thighs this time. Uh, the, the big news about A.J. Dillon is his hands. Now, I, I went back and looked at the college football thing. Two of the big takeaways as I went through and looked at some former Green Bay Packers, and I, I got some pretty interesting insights not just from this last draft class but they've got information going back to like 2014 of college football players but uh, with Jordan Love the interesting thing well two interesting things about Jordan Love number one is how much he loves and how good he is at throwing in the middle of the field which is you know the common theme and I haven't really looked into it is that Aaron Rodgers is not a fan of that the second is the the vast difference between Jordan Love with no pressure and pressure right everybody's better when they're not under pressure but certain quarterbacks are vastly different you give him time in the pocket and they're going to kill you 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 bring pressure and he's just a a disaster and that's kind of where Jordan Love is and that's not where you want him to be so that's one of the things that you hope can change with growth and Aaron Rodgers is is one of the better quarterbacks under pressure so hopefully that part of it can be developed but with A.J. Dillon a couple things that stood out number one PFF wasn't a big fan of him as a receiver not that he was terrible but that didn't stand out so it's good to see that he's handling that well. You're, you're seeing things like, you know, extending and, 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 you know, soft hands and all that kind of stuff, which is great because one of the things that excites you about a guy like A.J. Dillon is getting him out in space. You throw him a little swing screen pass and he's running like full head of steam against cornerbacks. Oh, that is going to be a thing of beauty trying to watch that. You, you maybe have seen the highlight clip of A.J. Dillon uh, when he played against Jair, and Jair came up and tried to make a sort of an open field tackle against him, and they kind of got locked up, you know, WWE style for about a half a second before A.J. Dillon just kind of uses one arm and f- just barrel rolls Jair down the sideline. Just absolutely flipped him. So, I mean, it, it, it is about space. A lot of this is about spacing. Uh, we'll talk about Elton Jenkins comments but the offensive line is really trying to, they're really trying to drill into the offensive line this outside zone stuff which is similar to the offense in general where Matt LaFleur has a picture of what he'd like to do and then there's what they're good at and so we kind of have this hybrid we'll do a little bit of this and we'll do a little bit of what you used to do and 
but the the Matt Lafleur offense in full effect is a much more laterally spread out type of offense. And we're going to stretch it out, and we're going to you know stress these edge rushers, these linebackers, these defensive linemen who have to run sideways all the time, and just really tiring out this defense. And so receivers being able to catch things are important. The other interesting note about A.J. Dillon, which is not surprising and shouldn't surprise anyone because the number one thing that Matt LaFleur cares about on an offense is how well you run block. A.J. Dillon was one of the best run blocking uh, running backs in all of college football, which seems obvious, but it isn't necessarily. There's more to being a run blocker than just being big. It helps, right? Being really big and strong is is certainly going to help more than if you're 5'11", 198 pounds, you know. But there's still a technique aspect to it, and and again, he graded out really, really well in that. So you just factor in. I, I remember uh, somebody was mentioning on Twitter, what do you do in the red zone when you've got A.J. Dillon, who is an ideal red zone back, but Aaron Jones is one of the best red zone running backs, probably the best red zone running back in, in all of, of the NFL. Well, one interesting thing to consider is putting them both in the backfield, running Aaron Jones, and then having A.J. Dillon as a lead blocker as well as, you know, DeGuara out in front. Yes, DeGuara also was a really good run blocker in terms of what he graded out well in. Run blocking was one of his best attributes. Again, shouldn't be surprised. Pass blocking, not as much. Run blocking, absolutely. So, I mean, that that's an emphasis. we got wide receivers that can block, and it does matter. We've seen plays where even wide receivers are, are holding up guys, you know, especially when they play in tight. They play a lot of these tight formations, and now essentially the wide receivers are an extension of the offensive line. And you, you turn it into a situation where you have wide receivers and cornerbacks kind of being turned into offensive line versus defensive line. And you have wide receivers that are infinitely better at run blocking than these cornerbacks are at, at being defensive tackles and edge rushers. That's not what they're geared to do. And so we've got these six foot four behemoths that are just pushing these guys around and creating congestion. And it's, you know, again, it, it, it it's going to take a lot of refinement to make all this work, but if it all comes together, it's going to be a thing of beauty. But anyways, uh, Matt LaFleur's comment on A.J. Dillon was, I think he's definitely demonstrated an ability to show those natural hands, more or less just getting that experience in practice. Today shows that he can. So, you know, obviously that's not going to be the focal point. I think, again, Aaron Jones is going to be more of the uh, Austin Eckler slash Alvin Kamara type running back where he runs the ball still, but he's also going to be, when you think about a receiving back, it's going to be Aaron Jones. But when you think about an offense that's heavy in deception, and you use A.J. Dillon as a run blocker, just just picture this. You've got two running backs, and consistently you will have the running backs both running to the right. Just picture Aaron Jones is to the left of of Aaron Rodgers. So what do they do? They hand the ball off to Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is out lead blocking. And so you have safeties, you have linebackers coming up to meet these guys, to, to take on this offensive line, to take on the tight ends like DeGuara and Jace that are in, in blocking or Mercedes and to take on this big behemoth, A.J. Dillon, who's going to be blasting holes for Aaron Jones. But what happens when Aaron Rodgers doesn't hand the ball off to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon slips past you, right? That's where the deception comes in, and that's where A.J. Dillon having those hands and that ability to once in a while slip out to keep him honest and run past the linebacker as opposed to smacking into the linebacker and catching that pass and being a freight train down the sideline. You know, it's stuff like that where he's not... He's not going to be your receiving back, but him having that ability is going to really come in handy at certain parts during the season. Uh, the one note on Dexter Williams, somebody mentioned you really see the short area quickness when he presses acceleration gets from 0 to 60 quickly. That was exactly what I said yesterday. We didn't see much of him, but or not yesterday, what I've been saying about Dexter and why I like him. You can tell when he's on the field. 
every time he touched the ball, which again was rare. I remember just watching him take the ball and just, he was so quick from, again, from zero to 60, as he said, that instantly my reaction was, who is that? And every time it was Dexter. He's just got this weird, awesome burst and acceleration that's that can be kind of special. The interesting thing also is, I think Dexter is actually in a really good spot right now because unfortunately Jamal is not. If the rumors are true about Aaron Jones, I don't think Jamal has much much time left here. The biggest reason is because Aaron Jones and Jamal are both looking for contracts, and I can't imagine a world in which we have A.J. Dillon, we have Dexter waiting in the wing. We don't need to pay Jamal and Aaron, right? I mean, it, we've, we've had days or years in which the Packers didn't really even have one really good running back. We've got a second-round pick freight train in A.J. Dillon who is number two behind one of the better running backs in all of football, you're telling me we have to give Jamal Williams a big contract? No, we don't. Even if Dexter isn't that good of a running back, so what? Um, we'll pick up guys off of you know the free agent wire. Pick up that 5'11", 220-pound you know, guy that Brian Gutekunst is obsessed with. Same running back, it's just the name that changes. So Dexter, Dexter is... is I would guess rooting for, although Dexter's in a good spot either way, because if we move on from Aaron Jones, then you got A.J. Dillon as the top guy, and then you have Jamal, and then what? You got Dexter, so I guess either way he's fine. At, at least for now, right? Because the Packers like to just constantly rotate running backs, and there's certainly been some decent enough running backs picked up as undrafted free agents over the year that can play up to at least a semi-competent level in a pinch. And if Dexter's at that semi-competent level, he's not going to be around very long. But anyways, I'm, I'm rooting for him because I like his skill set. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, Tyler Irvin, again, really exciting people. So, so a few notes on him. Uh, Tyler Irvin is that dude who may be the smallest in recess football but just owns everybody. Second note says, Tyler Irvin is lightning in a bottle, a fun chess piece. Next note, Tyler Irvin hasn't been a weapon at all in his career. In year five, he sure looks like one today. That's also something to keep in mind. Now, the, the biggest thing for me isn't so much training camp. It's what he did last year. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting in the right system and having the right coach that knows how to utilize your skill set, right? Taysom Hill is an unfortunate example of that. The Packers had no use for him. The Saints figured out a use for him, and they utilize him in that way, and it works. Mike McCarthy was never going to do that, and I don't think Matt LaFleur would ever do that. They're not taking Aaron Rodgers out of the game to put in Taysom Hill. But it's possible Tyler's just found a little niche here with uh, with Matt LaFleur and especially being utilized a lot in the slot and whatnot. But so far, a lot of excitement about him. And again, the only reason we should take that seriously is because of the very few touches he had last year, he was electrifying. Kind of reminds me of when we used to put Randall Cobb in the backfield. We very rarely did it, but almost every time he did it, he got like 17 yards. It was just phenomenal. Um, only one note about Devontae. It's kind of an ironic note because it says Devontae Adams catches everything, just made a sick one-handed grab on a pass behind him in routes on air. Again, these tweets. I respect these guys for what they got to do. They got to hurry up, but half the time they don't make sense. But I say it's ironic because the only drop I heard about yesterday was Devontae. Uh, Alan Lazard is still the, the starting wide receiver number two. Uh, when they come out early, it's two wide receiver sets. It's Devontae and Lazard. Not a big surprise there. MVS instantly regressed after a big day yesterday. He had several drops to, uh, yesterday. Or after a big day two days ago, had a, a, a bunch of drops yesterday. And then Kumaro had his spectacular sideline catch from Rodgers, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. Josiah DeGuara, same exact note. They're using him all over the place. Tight end, fullback, getting a ton of work. Again, 
that's the plan. You know, they really want him to be a, 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 an important chess piece of this offense, and they're going to make sure that that happens. Um, Schneidman had a note about Tanyan. Don't sleep on Robert Tanyan as the tight end one. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sleep on that. <laughs> I just am. I mean, l- listen, we've been hearing this Tanyan hype for, what, three years now? He's not bad, but, I mean, Tanyan is like Kumaro. It's always just this feeling like he's super good. Why don't we just play him all the time because he's just elite and he's got this great connection with Rodgers and every training camp and every preseason, he's always really good. But you just don't see him in the regular season very much. You know, obviously he had that big catch last year. but So here we are again and we're hearing all this stuff about Tanya. And look, Matt LaFleur has his guys. He wants Jace to be his, his, his Jimmy Graham. He wants DeGuara to be his Mercedes Lewis. Plus we have Mercedes Lewis. Not saying Tanyan gets no, no. Uh, not saying he doesn't get worked in at all, but I mean, if he's tight end one, then something went terribly wrong. No offense to Mr. Tanyan. Um, offensive line was back to normal. Rick, w- I mean, there's still a competition on the right side, but I, I really doubt it's going to be anything other than what we w- would expect. I think it's going to be Rick Wagner at tackle, Billy Turner at right guard. But uh, Rick Wagner did start off at right tackle, uh, unlike two days ago. So that that little experiment is pretty close to over i would assume a comment from elton jenkins who had a press conference he says uh, he expects the offensive line to be much better in the wide zone run game this year this is what i was talking about before he said a year of learning the techniques has made all the difference i've talked a billion times about the 49ers and the eagles and and how it's their orchestrated offensive line that really makes that pop Um, obviously the eagles also have really good football players but the the 49ers kind of don't as much but it's really just the technique and, and getting things down and the timing and all that that makes it something special. And if the Packers offensive line, and, and think about how good Aaron Jones is to be able to run behind a very good pass-blocking offensive line, but a, a run-blocking offensive line that for several years was more or less just, I don't know, just, just kind of push that guy a little bit. You know, Mike McCarthy didn't put any effort into teaching run-blocking techniques, but Matt LaFleur absolutely does, and that's a, a critical component in this offensive system. And so, although, again, you hear a lot of fluff, um, I think usually the fluff comes by way of omission, so he's not going to lie. When you ask him what's going well and he highlights something, I, I tend to believe that that's a reality. There might be some other stuff that's terrible that nobody's talking about that we just don't know about, but I tend to believe him um, to what degree and how ready and is it going to be a dominant run-blocking offense? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. Um, and then John Runyon right now, for those of you trying to update your 53-man rosters, He's pretty exclusively held up at left guard as a uh, number two left guard, so pretty likely that he makes it as a backup. Now, there's going to be a lot of shuffling around. There's a lot of question marks as far as, I mean, it it just depends what the long-term vision is for this team. Is Billy Turner expected to move to right tackle at some point? I hope not, but is that a thing? Is Are they possibly just going to move on from Billy Turner at some point? Are they planning to move on from Corey Lindsley? Could that happen before the start of the year? Because we do have Lane Taylor that can play left guard and Elton that can play center and Billy Turner that can play guard and uh, obviously Wagner at right tackle. It's not an impossibility, and that changes the dynamic of, of, of what we do. I'm not necessarily predicting it. I'm just saying it's hard to really nail down a 53 without knowing what the long-term vision is for the offensive line, which clearly is going to be getting shaken up in the near future, hopefully not at left tackle, but everything else is kind of up in the air. But as for now, John Runyon is the backup left guard. He hasn't really been moved around a lot. And then uh, Jake Hansen right now seems to be the backup uh, center. So uh, not surprisingly, we're seeing that those six-round picks are being slotted in as the number two. 
which is kind of my hope for them. Not that it wouldn't be nice to get one of them to be a starter caliber guy, um, just kind of filling out those those backup roles. Whereas, you know, in a different universe, if we decide to maybe move on from Lane Taylor, we've kind of got those types of guys, you know, the, the solid backups that can come in and fill in, in in the event of injury. And that's kind of what they're playing with right now. And obviously they've got to see, especially today with padded practice, where everybody's at and whether or not they're going to stay there or maybe not quite be ready for that. And a lot of that might inform what they do. It's not necessarily that everything's set in stone right now. You know, how well John Runyon and Jake Hansen handle these backup duties and handle going up against some of these really stout defensive linemen that we have might inform how we move forward. Um, some interesting notes as we move to defense about Montravius. Apparently, he's been getting a lot of first-team reps over Tyler Lancaster along with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry along the defensive line again with the starters. Really quite confusing. I, I don't know if this is just sort of we need to see as much of him as possible with the starters to see if it's time to just move on from him or if they're actually going to give him a shot, but I would doubt it because last year, when we ended the year, Montrevious wasn't the guy. So why suddenly is this player who's never quite figured it out going to just be handed this job when you got guys like Kingsley Kiki and Tyler Lancaster that have proven to be better football players to this point? So I tend to think that this is a... a an urgent evaluation type of thing, which actually might spell bad news. Like, why are they so determined to get a really good evaluation on Montrevious unless it's to determine whether or not we're moving on? Because it's that, or they just genuinely believe he's the number three defensive lineman, despite the fact that he's clearly the worst defensive lineman on this entire team. So that that's kind of what I tend to think that it is, is that this is... Um, they want to get a real good look at Montrevious. And I, and I, and I hope he, he performs well. I mean, it... Getting an additional defensive lineman, whether that's Montrevious really taking a big step or Kingsley Kiki taking a step in his second year, I'll take either of them. And the the real interesting thing about Kingsley and, and how excited I am about him, as strange as it sounds, is he's kind of a smaller, leaner guy at 288 pounds. He actually can be moved to defensive end at times. His strength, both in the NFL and in college, was as a run defender, not as a pass rusher. So he's got the leaned out body to be a pass rusher if you can develop that technique, but his strength, which is important for this team, obviously was a struggle for us last year, is as a run defender. So getting that as a compliment next to Kenny Clark could be huge. Um, edge rush, the only note was Rashawn Gary and how he's sort of trimmed down. Kind of interesting because actually his body fat percentage went down, but he actually added about five pounds, which what that means is he's packed on a ton of muscle. So when you lose fat and gain five pounds, he's you know, I don't know how much, how many pounds of body fat, but this guy packed on like six, seven, eight pounds of body, body, lean body mass. You know, maybe up to ten pounds. I don't know how much fat he lost, but um, you know, I, it, at this point, it's kind of become I'm rooting for Rashawn Gary because I respect Rashawn Gary. I I gained respect for Rashawn Gary, and I've mentioned this a couple times when I heard his interview with Rich Eisen, and Rich Eisen is a fellow Michigan guy. He and Montre and Rashawn are both Michigan guys. And uh, Rashawn actually opted out of the title game, and there was a real big Michigan versus Michigan State game, and it was real heated. You had Michigan guys going up, like scraping up the, the field, destroying the logo on the field, and there were fights and scraps and everything. And just listening to Rashawn Gary, the absolute disdain he had for Michigan State and how much respect he had for his guys, the, the point is he adopted them as his fan. He takes this stuff real seriously. And I knew with 100% certainty that when he came to Green Bay, he was going to, he, he's a loyal kind of guy. It's not about, I'm just here to get paid. It's about, this is my, this is the team that drafted me and I'm going to reward them. Now, maybe it never pans out, but there is nobody that I know of 
on this team that works harder than Rashawn Gary to be the guy that we want him to be. You might not be happy about what he put on the field last year, but you know who else isn't happy? It's Rashawn. And this guy is grinding in the weight room. And, and you know, according to him, he's he's got this defense figured out. And I don't doubt him. I don't doubt that he's also, after the gym, been just going home and just grinding on, on understanding not just the film but the playbook. According to him, he's got it laid out. It's just about perfecting on a play-to-play basis. He knows what's being asked of him. He knows when a play is called in, you know, what he's what his assignment is, what his responsibility is. It's about just executing and, in his words, perfecting it. So, you know, at, at this point, it's a respect thing. I don't know if it's going to pan out, but I respect the effort that he puts in. He does not take this for granted. He does not simply show up and say, I'm the biggest freak. I was on Feldman's freak list. I'm faster and stronger than everybody here. I'm, I'm, I'm just this naturally gifted guy. He doesn't play that card. He doesn't believe it. He's working real hard to be the best in the NFL. And as a Packer fan, I don't know how you can't respect that. Next up is Christian Kirksey, who actually falls in a similar category. Maybe not in terms of work ethic. I don't know what his work ethic is. But just in terms of endearing himself, I mean, he's another guy that came to Green Bay and just embraced it. He embraced the city. He embraced the fans. He embraced the team. He just, he, you know, you get a microphone in front of his face and he's going to talk about how much he just loves it here and he wants to be here. He wants to retire here. He's just, he's one of those fan favorite kind of guys that, although I've, I've been kind of largely because I disagree with the take that people have that, you know, again, when he's healthy, he's some great elite linebacker, which just hasn't necessarily been true. I'm, I'm very glad that he's here and he's quickly endeared himself to me i am a huge fan of his right now just as a person and and the fact that he's performing really well so far is uh is just a cherry on top Uh, but it's been two days in a row the the one note from christian kirksey was that he got the first interception at camp now granted it sounds like it was a an aaron Rodgers mistake more than anything christian kirksey dropped into zone and aaron Rodgers just didn't see it and just threw it right into his chest but still i mean you've got christian kirksey yesterday breaking up Aaron Jones passes, and Aaron Jones was just tearing it up as a receiver. Christian Kirksey breaks that up. you got MVS, who is just blazing. One of the hardest things, I think, for a linebacker to do, and I don't know how any linebacker does it. I remember watching Oren Burks and being really impressed with his ability to to do this. Not well, he couldn't finish, but it's when you have a wide receiver getting a full head of steam running past you, and you have to, from a standing position, keep up with them. There's almost no way to do it. And so when I hear... MVS is coming across the field on a crosser and Christian Kirksey's breaking it up. Envision the fastest guy on that football field running as fast as he can laterally. Christian Kirksey standing still and having to run from a standstill position to catch up to MVS and break up a pass. That's, that's, that is not an easy thing to do. And, and again, Oren Burks, he's got so much speed. We saw him do a really good job running stride for stride with guys, but the point is he was always just one step behind. It's great that you have the speed to run with somebody, but if you're not there to actually break up the pass, all you're doing is running with people. And that just that was the constant thing with Oren Burks that, that frustrated me, is that he's close, he's right on the cusp of being good, but unfortunately he's not. He's just, he's been bad. And then you factor in that the coverage isn't there, and as a run defender, he just has no ability at this point. Um, and then the real big standout was safety Vernon Scott. A couple notes about him. Really good read by Vernon Scott. Deflects a pass up, but no one comes down with it. Vernon Scott having a big start to practice. He closes quickly. And then rookie seventh-round safety Vernon Scott. The early standout today with a couple forced incompletions on Jordan Love passes. Finally was a note from Matt LaFleur. Uh, started off, he cautioned rookie safety Vernon Scott. He needs to not get too shallow as a post defender, but likes how active he was around the ball in practice today. Quote, he definitely has great instincts, and we expect him to be a playmaker. And I actually really like both sides of that. 
the negative and the positive because the fact of the matter is just like everybody else that hasn't had a lot of experience, they don't know what they're doing. And to have a guy that comes out there that doesn't even know where he's supposed to be standing on the football field to just go out and once that ball is snapped, he just goes crazy and is making plays. That's such an awesome thing because a lot of times guys are just thinking it. And we hear all the time that one of the first things you need to do is get people to to understand it so well that they don't have to think. And Vernon seems to have that ability already. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not in the right spot. But once that thing is snapped, he just knows one thing, go get the ball. And that's what he does. He just goes and gets the ball, and that's awesome. And, And you just factor in if we can refine a little bit as far as, you know, standing in the right spot, doing the right thing, getting assignment sure, because that'll mess you up in a game. And also the fact that we really just don't need him at this point, having Savage and Amos and Green... Um, just having a guy like Vernon Scott waiting in the wings to possibly be a, a solid player for the Packers at some point in some capacity, even if it's just in certain packages, to have that luxury to say, here's one situation in which he's really solid. You know, possibly even having like four safeties where you got Amos and, and Green rat, roaming close to the line of scrimmage, and Vernon Scott and, and Darnell Savage, these kind of fast, rangier kind of guys in the backfield. You know, just, just little things that Pedden can play with. Um, so it's a fun little added thing and then finally uh special teams tyler irvin darius shepherd and jair alexander were the three guys taking return uh unlikely that jair jair actually wins that job because of how important he is as a cornerback and you don't want to tire him out or possibly get him injured on a, a special teams play but i i would venture to say that if they wanted to just have the best return man i think jair could possibly win that job if you remember in college how electrifying he was that was his, his half of his college highlight reels were punt returns and kick returns and just how incredibly good he is at that. Um, but I don't expect him to necessarily win that job. Obviously, it's very important for Darius Shepard because Darius Shepard is kind of in that Trevor Davis role in that he's not going to win a wide receiver job. Very, very, very low possibility of him winning that. It's not impossible, but it's very, I mean, it's, again, it's Trevor Davis. Maybe he can impress enough as a wide receiver, but more than likely, if he's on this team, it's because we need him as a kick returner. If we can get Tyler Irvin to do it, which obviously would be the Packers' preference because they're planning on keeping him anyways, then that just frees up a roster spot. Right? If we can have Tyler Irvin be our kick return and gadget wide receiver slash running back, that's fine, and they would love to have that. So Darius Shepard needs to just flat out win that outright and prove that he is the guy, that, and you need me to be your kick returner. Um, if he wants a shot on this team because I think that is his opportunity to make this roster. But anyways, I gotta get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.